This podcast is a 3D audio production, so watch out as sounds may seem to come from beside you or behind you. For the best listening experience, please use headphones. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, Clone Club, it's me again, Marco Palmieri, the producer of Rome's Orphan Black, the next chapter. Thanks for listening, and I hope you're enjoying these behind-the-scenes looks at Season 2 as much as I am. Today, we have another special bonus episode of Orphan Black, the next chapter, with lead writer of Season 1 and 2, Malka Older, who gives lots of insights into what it takes to write all of your favorite OB characters. We're always excited to hear from you, so if you haven't already, please connect with us on Twitter at Realm Media or reach out through our website, realm.fm. And if you want a bonus bonus, we've got a sneak peek of another show we think you'll like at the end of this episode. But for now, tune in to this replay of our recent Instagram Live with Malka Older, lead writer of Orphan Black, the next chapter. Hi, Malka. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for taking the time um, to talk. For anybody joining who doesn't know, we're talking about Orphan Black, the next chapter, which is the official podcast continuation of the show. And a couple weeks ago, we had um, Marco, who's the producer, and then and then we had Christian, who stars in season two, back as Donnie. And so now we have Malka here, uh, one of the writers. So it's, it's so great to have you. It's great to be here, and it's always awesome to connect with Clone Club. Yeah, that was actually one question I had was was before you started working on Orphan Black the next chapter, were you already a, an Orphan Black fan? Like, what was your kind of relationship in the beginning? Uh, I was a huge fan. Um, I loved the TV show, and that's why when Realm came to me and asked me if I would be interested in working on a continuation, I was just so excited about it. And you were, you were on both season one and season two, correct? That's right. Um, what was the like process like, like from when you started, you know, whenever Realm talked to you about like joining the project, like kind of like what, where did it go from there? Like, what was the process like? So um, they came to me and they wanted to talk first about designing a pitch for what this season could look like. And they had already a couple of parameters based on talking with the studio about what they want. So we knew it was going to be a while after the end of the TV show, which I was actually really happy about because the TV show has such a great ending and conclusion. And so, you know, I didn't want to like jump right on the end of that. 
but at the same time, you know, having that space let us look at where the clones were, you know, years later. Let us um, look at where some of the younger clones and also Kira, uh, you know, how they were growing up and what that was like. And just gave us a lot of room to sort of explore how things were going later on. So we, we looked at how we could do that and what we were interested in um, going into that we could go into more depth or go in different directions from the show. And yeah, it's just been such a fun process, like working with the other writers, um, working with the producers. It's, it's been really great. And of course, the actors. Like, let me not forget how amazing it is to be working with those actors. Um, also, like, as you mentioned, like interacting with Clone Club and Clone Club is like very passionate. Um, is that, do you feel like, yes. a, do you feel like there's more pressure on you because how passionate Clone Club is, like, rather than other projects you've worked on? You know, I can see the potential for that. And I remember now when I think about it, like being a little nervous about the first season coming out, but everyone has been so supportive and so excited and happy to see the series. And I know that everyone would love to see it on TV again. And honestly, of course I would too. Um, but I think everyone's really appreciated what we have with this. And, and honestly, like there are obviously a lot of constraints into doing a whole TV show, especially one with the technical difficulties of Orphan Black, um, that doing it as a podcast or radio play kind of allows us to go in a few different directions. And, you know, it's not as enormous an effort and time suck for the actors. And it just, it lets us do more stuff that, you know, I think television right now would be just really, really difficult. So I'm really glad that we get to continue it this way. And yeah, the Clone Club has been incredibly supportive. And I just want to give a big shout out to todos los fans eh, latinoamericanos y de España, porque veo muchísimos tweets en español y también en portugués. And I'm really so happy to see this. And I know, like, I'm the one who wrote Come Mierda into that first episode. And I was so glad to see the appreciation for that and for having a Cuban-American culturally Cuban-American clone. So I appreciate seeing all the fans from um, all of the Latinx world and the Lucifone world. It's just really great. Yeah, there's like, the fan base is so international. Like, it's it's amazing to see that like a show could, I mean, the show's from Canada, but like the show that, that a show could like touch so many different people speaking different languages from all over the world and like everyone finds something to like grab onto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see lots and lots of other um, fans from other parts of the world, too. I've seen Turkish and Thai and just all over. But because I speak Spanish and, and can read Portuguese, I just I see those tweets a lot. And so I wanted to give a special shout out. Yeah, and you can actually read them. I unfortunately have to do like translate tweet. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to had to translate it to, to read it. Um, so for working on, like you worked on season one and season two, I'm sure season two might've been a little different writer's process because of the pandemic. But what was the, like, did you guys have like a writer's room? Like what, how did you end up like and breaking out, like who does what scripts and all that kind of stuff? So it was a little bit different. It wasn't too different because we, um, Typically with Realm, what we, what we used to do was just have one writer's sort of weekend at the beginning. And then after that, we'd be mostly remote anyway. So we just put that, that writer's weekend remote. And we, it was a little different. We did have to kind of chop it up a little because it's, you can't do a weekend, an entire weekend on Zoom the same way you can if you're like in a room with a bunch of snacks and people <laughs> taking notes occasionally, right? Um, and whiteboards and lots and lots and lots of index cards. 
So it was a little different, but not too much. Because like I said, for the other ones, you know, for the first episode and the other Realm shows that I've worked on, we basically got together for a weekend. It was very intense. Um, but after that, we had a general sort of season overview and also had divided up the episodes amongst the different writers. So after that, it was more kind of supporting each other through the process, talking about new ideas that came up for the season or for the plot as we went, and then bouncing our episodes off each other. And, you know, I think the fun thing about Orphan Black is that all of us who are working on it just love the show so much, and we all love the characters so much. So, you know, when you're writing an episode that has Allison and Donnie in it, right? And then you send it out to everyone, and everyone's like, oh, yes, this is perfect. You know, it's, it's so on brand for them. And then what if we did this? Oh, you know what? I bet Allison would say this. And then, you know, you brainstorm like what the fan club nickname for Donnie is going to be. And we just, we did a lot of this sort of back and forth and with the show, because the characters are so great. Like it was just, it was a lot of fun to go through that. Yeah. I think it definitely comes through that everyone's a fan because it's like so much stuff that you're like, wow, fan, this is what fans would like to see or hear. or, or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, no, we definitely, we definitely all are. We all love the show. And, um, and yeah, just, I mean, that's why I'm writing for it. It's, it's like sort of the best of both worlds fanfic slash IP. Like we're very, very much um, enjoying what we can do. And, you know, I think there are things that we could do in the um, podcast that would be really hard to do on television. You know, it's much easier for us to put all the clones in one room. Um, and they did an amazing job with that on the television show, but like we can do it really much more easily without going through all of the process, the technical process. Um, and, you know, we face some difficulties too, similarly. I mean, on the television show, you just need to see someone's face and then you know they're a clone and there's an instant factor of mystery or creep or wonder or whatever it is. And for us, you know, you can't describe the face in audio to say, this person looks just like Tatiana Maslany, right? No, you need to like find ways to have that moment of recognition differently. So yeah, there's, there were a lot of really, really interesting things um, about this process. Yeah. So in season one, for anyone who doesn't know um, the, we're talking about Orphan Black, the next chapter, um, the podcast continuation of the show. And in season one, Tatiana does everything. She voices all the, all the characters um, like Donnie Delphine, everybody, and she does the narration. So for season two, um, Christian and Jordan and Evelyn came back and reprised their roles. So I wanted to know, like, what did you think when you found out this was happening? Like, like what, what did that mean for you guys, the writers? Okay, so first, when we found out that Tatiana Mazzani was going to be on it for the first season, because we didn't know that when we signed on, you know? Yeah. Um, that that was agreed later. And we were so excited. Like I cannot describe to you the excitement um, in the call when we found that out. Uh, so that was, you know, it obviously, um, and you know, I'm, I'm someone who very much cares about the writing in shows and I, I try not to get too hung up on actors, but this is a special case. <laughs> this is a really, um, really special case where you just really see how much the actor contributes to each character. And I think everyone who's listened to the show can tell that she does that just as much with her voices as with the, the visual stuff. It's just so incredible. And it, it meant so much to have her be a part of this project and have her be adding that, that amazing, just 
star power and craft and everything to the characters, um, both the, the ones we were reprising and the new ones that we created. So that was just fantastic. And then when we found out that everyone else was going to be on this one, and we kind of, we might have had a little hint because um, Jordan was really interested. And so he, he found the like postscript to season one. And so we kind of knew there was a possibility that we'd get Felix, which was, you know, awesome. Um, and then once we found out that it was going to be all the rest of them, it was just, it was such a great feeling because it really does feel like we're bringing the show back. And again, we all love the show so much. Uh, and it feels really good to know that the actors are happy to be involved, that it feels to them like a continuation of the characters that they played, because that's obviously, you know, they know. And I think they they are willing to be, to work on this and happy to work on this because it does feel like a continuation of um, the characters that they, that they love. So yeah, it was, it was just great. And I mean, obviously, as I said, like Tatiana's performance is just so outstanding. Um, but I love the other actors too. Uh, and so it was really, really great to have them on. You mentioned um, like, you know, there are new clones in season one that weren't in the show. So did you have a special process for like creating new clones or like, how did you figure out what, like when you um, want to create new clones? So I, I a little bit like uh, we kind of had, we had a fair amount of free reign in terms of figuring out what we needed to make the plot work. Right. And kind of what we wanted. We knew we wanted to have at least one new clone who was sort of a main character um, who's Vivi. And then you know, we, we added others as we felt we needed them. Um, but we did go through a process in terms of thinking together as a group of how do we, like, how do we make, distinguish this clone? Um, do they have an accent and how do we describe it? Do they, have they done something with their hair? Uh, what is their style? Uh, where did they grow up? Um, you know, so that we could really try to define the character as much as possible uh, to make it, um, you know, both, I think, for, for, for the actor <laughs> to, to give her a lot of, of room to create an individual, um, even with just voice and, and some description, right, in the narration. And then also for the, for the reader and listeners so that they would feel like this is a really different person who's dealing with this experience of being a clone in new and interesting ways. Yeah, it really is wild, like, that you can like very specifically tell the difference even though it's like Tatiana doing all of them even just voice like it's amazing like whatever she does amazing. <laughs> it's really amazing um so just, yeah. i i heard that you were the like origin of the season 2 titles episode titles <laughs> so can you explain like the, um, what a, the episode 2 titles yeah a little bit so all of the titles from the original tv series come from um, books and their quotes from, from science fiction books. So for, you know, knowing that and having some control over it for season one, um, it, we really wanted to do Octavia Butler. Um, and so we picked from quotes from her work. I think, I think all of them are from Parable of the Sower, uh, which is just such an important book. And I think really relates to so many of the critical themes of the show. Um, and yeah, so we, we went through and we found these. And then for season two, uh, we were looking for something a little bit older for copyright reasons. And, uh, and you know, we, there were there, there was some thoughts about we can just make them up. But I thought, you know, why don't we look at Frankenstein? 
which is the original science fiction book, which is also written by a woman. And <laughs> when you look at it, I, I have not actually read the whole book. But when you look at the quotes from the book, they are amazing. And they are exceedingly like grim and descriptive and ominous. And it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think like it's so clever when people use the titles, you know, in as a way also for the for the story or to give information. Um, I always love when people do that. So good job. <laughs> yeah, it was also really fun. We all kind of went around on our um, on our Slack, just saying which quotes, picking different quotes from the book that we wanted for our different chapters and trying to figure out which ones fit the different chapters best. And like I said, there were a lot of really wild quotes in that book. So you can look it up. It's, there's some amazing stuff in there. And so it was really fun, like going through and trying to fit it to the things that we had written and that we wanted to be highlighting for the readers and the listeners. Yeah, that is like an interesting challenge to kind of go backwards that way, like once you already have the episode. Yeah. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, someone in the someone in the comments wanted to know if you have a favorite scene from this season. Uh, oh my gosh. It's hard because you know, we love all the clones, right? And so it's hard to pick um favorite scenes when the you know each character has their own like I think I mean <laughs> I love coping um I think my favorite line which I wrote in the outline of an episode that I didn't write the episode but I think the line made it in um was Cosimo was I mean Delphine was stress baking Cosimo was stress getting baked which is just, you know, something that I think we can all relate to over the yeah. past few years. Um, but I was, you know, I was going to say, so I love Kofi, but then in terms of writing characters, like 
honestly, Allison and Tani are so much fun to write because they're just so ridiculous. And, uh, and so, um, and writing them with this, you know, having them do this reality show is kind of like the peak Allison and Donnie. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, that was like my favorite thing when I was reading this season, the reality show. It's just Although I will say as a close second, the descriptions from Felix's perspective of the islands and him wandering through the island and trying to figure out what all these treatments are and things um, was also really fun. Yeah, it's, I mean, all around, like when I was reading and I was just like, wow, this is so great. So good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see if I can, I feel like someone else asked a question. Yes, please. Please. We need a new season. Everybody just wants more from black. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, which is great. Let's see. But oh. above my pay grade, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> Thank you for your input. <laughs> um, I it's good. I mean, say it loudly because that's how it happens when a lot of yeah, people want it. I definitely, yeah, I definitely think the fandom is what's contributed to, like, the continuation in, in different formats, for sure. Like, the, the fandom just seems to, like, keep getting bigger. <laughs> Like every day there's somebody else yeah. who's like, I'm watching this show called Orphan Black or I I just found <laughs> out about this podcast or whatever. Um, yeah. oh, oh, I was going to ask you if there are any like pairs of characters that you like would have liked to have more like scenes together or because um, that was that was one question somebody asked Christian if there were like other characters that maybe he didn't get to work with as much that maybe he would like. So, I mean, it was it was. This was one thing. It is really hard to fit everybody in. I know that in the first season, everyone wanted more Rachel and more Helena, and we did too. It was just, you know, um, telling the story and having enough time with the sort of the clones who were the main focus was made it really hard to get as much as we wanted of everyone. So we, we did try to have more Helena and more Rachel in this one. Um, but yeah, we always want more time with them. I think um, this season, we miss Kira a little bit, uh, and I, I think Rachel gets some really interesting stuff going on this season. Um, she's always a fun one to pair with other clones. So while she gets some really good time with Kazuma and with Charlotte, uh, yeah, more more Rachel pairing with others, and and, and also Helena. Like anything Helena does is always just catnip. So. Um, someone said, is Delphine going to have the baby this season? I am not sure I'm allowed to can answer that. Spoil? Yeah, I don't know if I, I, spoil I that. don't think I can do spoilers like that. Um, I will say that as a writer, like I'm really interested in the way that pregnancy is shown in fiction. And so I always try to break a little bit some of the tropes that come around that. Um, so take that as you would like to take it. <laughs> um, someone asked who your favorite OG clone is. Um, see, I knew I was going to get this question <laughs> because it's so hard. It's so hard. I, so I think in the first season, um, I mean the first, not the first season, the whole first, the TV show, right? The thing is like, we really identify with Sarah through that. And so it's hard not to, to, to identify with Sarah and love Sarah. Um, but 
but then I don't know, like they were all awesome. Like Kofi, uh, Kofi, Cosma is definitely like more sort of closer to me. Um, Allison, as I said, is not someone I'm sure I think I could hang out with, but she's like hilarious to watch. Um, Elena also not necessarily, but you do want, you would want her to be the person that you could call, right? If you, if you needed someone to break someone's finger in a bar or something, right? Um, or to sing on a road trip. I mean, there's a lot of things that you would want Helena to be your bud for, but uh, so yeah, it's such a hard question. It's such a hard question. Um, I'm gonna, you know, what? I'm just gonna bucket. I'm gonna go with Mrs. S because Perfect. I love her. Yeah, I, Mrs. S seems to be a favorite because lots of people mention her all the time. So I feel like that's I honestly, I was so angry. Like, I'm sorry to criticize the show in any way, but I was so angry when they killed Rob. And like, if if I love writing for the next chapter, but I would also really, really love to write a spinoff about like her youth and how she learned to do all these things. And yeah, I would love to do just any kind of show with her. I would have loved, if they hadn't killed her off, I'd love to do a spinoff with her like later. Um, not necessarily, yeah, only only her youth because <laughs> she killed her. But like any, I would love a show about her in any way. Um, and one of my favorite sort of scenes from the original series is that one where she and Sarah are working together, sort of running a low-key con together for a little bit. And it just, it's, it's, she's so fabulous. And I've also, I've loved that actress ever since she was in The Commitments um, many years ago, which is a wonderful movie. And in which she also sings um, as she does in, in Orphan Black. So highly recommend. There's like conflicting comments in here where some people are like, give us spoilers. And other people are like, please don't spoil <laughs> it for me. And I'm like, we can't I, we can't do both those things sorry i i don't think i'm allowed to spoil it um and this is the internet and nothing ever goes away so i don't yeah i don't think we should spoil it but if you haven't like listened to season two up to this point you might get a little spoilers for that <laughs> like yeah, we've, we've already definitely done some minor spoilers for season one so um, sorry oh, yeah that, but. some minor but like you, you'll still enjoy it if you listen to it for sure um oh so one thing i did want to ask about when you found like was everything written when you found out that the new character like that the the actors were coming back to reprise their roles or were or was there a way that that impacted the writing at all um it did a little bit we we found out not all at once as i said we kind of knew jordan was interested earlier on um so we knew we wanted to have a bigger role for felix i mean we always wanted to have a bigger role for felix, felix is awesome um but like I said, time constraints and just so many people moving around. Uh, so we we knew we wanted to make that something of a priority on this season. Um, Delphine was always going to be in a pretty big role uh, because the way Kofine has evolved and that that's just really a central thing for the show. But, but yes, once we knew that um, Evelyn would be coming back as well, so exciting. So we were like, yes, we've got to give her lots of, lots of um, lines and, um, and we didn't actually find out about Christian until much later. Um, I'm also a big fan of him. I've seen him on uh, Odd Squad, the kids' TV show, where he's just great. <laughs> so I was really happy that he was coming back. And yeah, we definitely were like, okay. But we, I think we already had a lot of Donnie at that point because just, like I said, Donnie and Allison are such wonderful com comedic characters and they're like comedic while often driving the plot in really interesting ways. So 
so yeah, we knew we were going to have that. So a little bit, I think, but, but only really in the, the sort of like very early, we know we want a lot of these characters and it makes us happy. <laughs> yeah. Some, so, okay. So somebody was asking what we're talking about. So I'll do another reminder. <laughs> we're talking about Work of Black, the next chapter, which is the podcast continuation of the show. Um, the first season, Tatiana narrated and did all the voices. And then for season two, Jordan and Evelyn and Christian all came and uh, reprised their roles. So if you haven't listened to it, if you're just finding out, you have a lot to listen to. <laughs> There's all of season one, a lot of season two. Um, and you can get it like wherever you get podcasts, like Apple, Spotify. It's on YouTube too, um, on our on our site, realm.fm. Um, yeah, so that's what we're talking about for anyone who is and, and you can read it. If you don't yeah. listen to podcasts for whatever reason, you can also read it as text. But with all those amazing actors, like this is a good time to make an exception and listen to podcasts if you don't normally. But the text is there. Yeah, like you want you like would you not want to hear Tatiana in your ear? Like I would. I would. <laughs> Someone asked if you were Tatiana Misani. Um, that would be what a great compliment. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is an amazing compliment. No, I I am not Tatiana Misani, but thank you. Uh, um. I think she's amazing. I will fangirl. Um, so there is like a little bit of a spoiler question I wanted to ask you. It's it's just for, for today's episode. So it's not really a spoiler because it did come out already. But apparently there was like a scene that you were really pushing for um, at a police station. Hmm. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess this is a, a big spoiler for the first season. So if you have not yet seen the first season, maybe like mute us for a second. But, you know, in the first season, the world finds out about clones and they become public knowledge. And this is, you know, this was for us, like, honestly, one of the greatest things that we could do with the show because it changed the dynamics so much. And we had all these interesting new problems that came up for the clones and new, you know, just dynamics to work with. And it was you know, I think it's really refreshed a lot of what we're doing as we have the characters dealing with this whole different situation um, as opposed to the secrecy. And so, you know, there's this, this scene where Cosma is in a police station and she's trying to convince them to help her find her wife who's been, who's disappeared. She doesn't know where she went. And the cops are basically like, well, we've got video um, from closed circuit cameras and your wife got in a car with you and Cosmo's like but not me but you can tell who I am because I know you've seen clones all over the place and so you know that that might not be me just because it looks like me and they're like what can we do because they're obviously clonophobic um so that was you know I think for us we were thinking about uh, so much of the show right the original show is about how technology messes with our identities, about um, how, you know, surveillance works. And so having the show, having looked at it from the secrecy perspective, you know, looking at it from the opposite, from the sort of fame perspective, uh, and this idea of like, what is it like to live in a facial recognition world when you do not have a unique face? Um, which is not such a stretch as a problem because facial recognition is not actually all that refined yet. And and this sort of mistake can happen even without actual clones. So, you know, looking at some of these problems and especially how they can kind of be exploited by the powers that be, um, 
to do what they want, whether it's to help or to not help. Uh, and think about, you know, what does it mean when you share DNA, exact DNA with all these different people, some of whom are criminals and some of whom are totally different from you and live somewhere else. And what does it mean for international travel? And what does it mean for, you know, getting a bank account and just all these different things that are so interesting um, as we all navigate them in this increasingly digitalized, increasingly, you know, unique identity and two-factor authentication and everything, everything world. So yeah, so that was, that was a really interesting scene, I thought, to go into like some of these repercussions, um, how going public had solved some problems for the clones. They didn't have to be totally secretive and keep their face off all social media anymore, but it created this whole host of new problems. Yeah, and it's kind of like lose-lose. Like there were, there were definitely problems, but then you think like, oh, this will solve everything, and it just kind of creates other, other issues. Yeah, and I think it really, you know, it speaks to the fact that they are kind of an edge case. They're stuck in this being different in some ways. And so whether they're trying to keep that difference a secret and downplay it and act normal, or whether they're like, yes, we're different, we're here, we're proud, either way, you know, it offers opportunities for people with authority to manipulate what's happening to them and make it different from the sort of assistance they would expect. So basically it could go, this show could go on forever because there's just going to be problems, <laughs> problems, problems, problems. I mean, honestly, there's... It's, it's such a great concept and the directions that they took it in initially are so interesting and rich um, that I do think that there's a lot and it's so, and just so relevant to our world too, as I was saying, um, you know, between surveillance and identity and all of these concerns and community and um, reproductive rights and, uh, you know, uh, nationality. And there's just so many elements of it that I think are really relevant for everyone and it's such an interesting conceit to get at them but yeah i mean i think there's there's a lot to write in it um and meanwhile you know we get more dad bod dog so on um so a lot of people are saying that evelyn has a really nice voice and i mean i agree <laughs> yes um I've so, everything as far as i know <laughs> yes she's very nice i i have to say she's, she's so true. Um, so someone asked if there was an inspiration for Blythe, which I think is a great question. Uh, because Blythe was like, is, is super interesting. She is. Um, we, you know, we try not to take. So there's a little bit of ripped from the headlines, but you sort of rip the headlines out and then put them in a blender, if that makes sense. So we were thinking about sort of Hollywood celebrity, and we were thinking about politician celebrity, and we were thinking about reality TV celebrity, um, and cults, and, and obviously, like, there are a lot of, <laughs> like, all of those categories have sort of merged um, in various ways and overlap in various ways, uh, as we've seen over the past, I mean, honestly, several decades, um, but, but especially, I think, the last few years, and so we were, we were just kind of thinking about that dynamic and how it's played out in a couple of real cases and then trying to like smush them all together to get something that was a little bit different, um, but it had some of those echoes and resonances and still fit in the world of the clones. It's not necessarily like one specific person, it's like a bunch of... It's, it's definitely not. And, and I say definitely not because we, you know, we did go through this process. Um, as I mentioned before, with a, you know, with a new clone, we kind of, um, 
we shot out different ideas and we mentioned different names of real people, but we mentioned like a lot <laughs> to make sure that we didn't really make it one real person because we wanted to say like, okay, it's like a mix of this person, this person, and this person. And also we're going to change this and make it a little different. And obviously being a clone makes things different as well. Um, not just in the sense that like it's legally deniable or whatever, but, but like we wanted to think about really what growing up as a clone and, and eventually learning that had done to this person's personality and their goals and their motivations and so on. So, so there's that too. Someone asked if there, this is like, I don't know if you want to say this, but someone asked if there was going to be a Delphine and Helena interaction on Blythe's Island because they never interacted in the show. Um, I would really like to say it's because they're played by the same person, but that's not actually true. Uh, <laughs> um, I am going to not answer that. I think I'm going to just, um, not answer anything because <laughs> past this episode, sorry, <laughs> I don't feel like I can. Um, but we'll definitely like, if there's another season, which I don't know yet, we'll definitely keep in mind all these interaction hopes because it is really one of the really fun things about the show is seeing these different characters interact or pretend to be each other. Yeah, I definitely, like, think more than, like, any other show, like, I notice people commenting on different interactions they want on this show specifically. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's because they're all Tatiana or because they just like all the <laughs> characters and they want all the characters to be friends, but... I, I think they're just, they're such well-defined characters, and, you know, they they get sort of close to types, but they're never purely stereotypes. They're, you know, they all have a lot of depth. And so the, I, I find something really lovely when I read things and I know the characters well enough so that when I see them interact or, hear, or read them interact, I go like, yeah, of course that's how they're going to act together. Even if I couldn't have said it myself, right? But you read it and there's that sense of familiarity, that sense of being like, yes, definitely that is how this person would react. And that is just, I think it's such an important part of what we get out of fandom. Yeah, someone says they want Rachel and Helena to become friends, which I do. <laughs> what a chaotic pairing. Or just start a whole man's little company. Like. Um, someone just said, thank you for bringing the story of my favorite show back. Aww, thank, thank you I'm for listening. So happy. And yeah, it's it's just been great because it's brought it back for me too. <laughs> In a yeah. different and more effortful way, but still. It's, it's just so nice to return to the world and those characters. Yeah, Clone Club is so lovely. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It's just, like, such a nice, like, I think everyone, it's like you can tell everyone enjoys it. Like, everybody at Realm's really excited about it. Clone Club's really excited about the writers. Like, everybody's just, it's yes. like a big love fest. All the actors. <laughs> um, so we are running a little bit uh, towards the end of time. So if anyone has questions, you can keep dropping them in there. But I wanted to ask you about some of your other projects. You've written like a lot of stuff on Realm. Do you, is there anything specific, like any Realm specific shows that you thought like Clone Club needs to check this out, this other show too? Um, so definitely Ninth Step Murders, um, previously known as Ninth Step Station, because it is kind of cyberpunky and body muddy. And it's also got a lot of the... Um, elements of there's sort of like some mystery and there's some buddy cop relationships uh it's set in 2032 tokyo and the main sort of pairing is between uh um an american 
a U.S. peacekeeper um, who's deployed to Tokyo and a Tokyo cop who are working together. They're both um, female and they solve murders. And, it's, and we, we had a ton of fun putting it together and having all sorts of really interesting cyberpunk elements in it. Um, and it is occasionally dark, but it is not grim or super violent. Um, although it is sometimes amusingly gory or, okay, maybe not amusingly. It's sometimes gory. Uh, uh, okay. So it's a little violent, but it's, um, it's generally meant to be like a pretty fun listen. Um, and also, and Machina is the other one that I've worked on. That's kind of a similar, like near future, um, lots of robots, lots of AI, uh, trying to get to Mars, um, workplace competition. Um, really fun serial as well. So those two, I think, are the closest in in vibe to Orphan Black. And then uh, I have written a trilogy of books that are um, science fiction political thrillers. So they're a bit wonky, but they actually cover a lot of the territory that Orphan Black does because this, these are things that I'm really interested in. There's a reason that I love the show so much. Um, so the first one is called Infomocracy. And as I said, it's a trilogy, but the first one is standalone. And yeah, there's uh, katanas and flamethrowers and some chase scenes and also just a lot about the future of democracy and data and surveillance. So it sounds very real. Like I need to, I definitely need to read it. <laughs> someone, someone just posted on Twitter, like, um, I wish I was as confident about my students that the worst parts of, of infomocracy won't happen. And I was like, I'm trying to think of any bad things in the book that have, aren't already happening in the world. And then the professor was like, yeah, I was trying to gently guide them in that direction. It's not, it's not meant to be super depressing. It's, it's meant to be um, kind of hopeful, but there is also a lot of like, stuff that reflects the world and the politics of the world. So not completely hopeful, obviously. Um, and if people want to find you, like, what's the best way for them to, like, find you and your stuff and, like, follow along with your, all of your work? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, usually, uh, at M underscore older. Uh, and I am on Instagram as Infomocracy, the title of my book. I don't post a whole lot on here. I don't actually have a smartphone. I had to borrow one to do this. Uh, but I, I occasionally post something from my computer. I also have a Facebook author page and you can find my website, um, which is on WordPress. You can just look for my rather unusual name and you'll find me pretty easily. Yeah, I'm sure if we Google, if everyone Googles you, we can. <laughs> Malka Older, that's how, you, that's how you find it. Send it to the top of the search results today. That's um, and to find Orphan Black, the next chapter, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you just Google Orphan Black podcast, I'm sure, again, it'll just, it'll pop up. Um, or if you go to our Instagram, which Malka's on our, our Realm Instagram right now, um, you can easily find all the links in there. We also have Orphan Black merch, which I need to get some because then I could be wearing it right now. Like the Sestra hat that we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I realized I should have gotten one for myself. I, I, I sent one to my brother, who is also a writer and writes for Star Wars, but now he's got to write for Star Wars wearing his brother Sestra hat. So Yeah, and he posted such a cute picture 
wearing it. She did. And I was like, wow, it's like a family, it's a family affair. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is, it is. He sends us Star Wars stuff and I send him orphan black stuff. And here we <laughs> well, thank you so much for um taking the time to talk today about like everything orphan black, your your love of orphan black, um, orphan black next chapter, giving like insights into like how it gets made, because I feel like a lot of people have no idea what goes into it. So um, it's, well, it's it was, always it interesting. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's so great to, to see all the fans and just hear people saying that they enjoy the show because yeah, that's why we do it. Besides wanting to reconnect with the characters ourselves, it's just, it's great to know that it makes people happy. Awesome. Um, a new episode dropped today, Maka's episode, uh, episode seven. And then there, I think there are three more episodes after. Um, so we're getting kind of close to the end of, yeah, getting kind of close to the end of season two. So I hope everyone's enjoying it. Yeah. And there's lots of cool things to come. So keep listening. Have a good day, everyone. Have a nice weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. It's Marco again, back with that extra bonus I promised you. Malka mentioned another Realm show she worked on called Ninth Step Murders, which is set in near-future Tokyo, where a Japanese investigator and a U.S. peacekeeper reluctantly join forces to solve a series of bizarre murders. Enjoy this trailer for Ninth Step Murders and check out both seasons of the series wherever you're listening to this show right now. The blade cut through the air, echoing silence, and then a scream. Long and high rang out clearly over every other sound. Inspector Miyako Koreda of the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department. You remember Lieutenant Higashi Emma, my partner. She's joined us from the American Peacekeeping Detachment. Miyako slid her finger along the edge of her sleeve to bring up the details, and her pulse jumped again as she saw the crimson color coding. A murder. Phrase! Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Tension warmed Miyako's body. Her heartbeat sped up into a dizzying panic. She didn't know how much time passed. Seconds. Hours. Lifetimes. The outside world fell away. Perfect darkness. Realm presents Ninth Step Murders, starring Emily Wu Zeller. If you like what you hear, please follow and share this podcast with your friends. Realm is your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. 
the team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.